now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning, we're going to continue our study, our teaching on, uh, on missions. We're talking on missions mandate. This morning, I want to talk about the local church and missions. How can a local church, especially an urban church... People who eat KFC and McDonald's and, you know, these kind of people who are so comfortable. Uh, How can an urban church engage in missions? What can you and I do uh, in missions? And when we talk about missions, just to remind us, you know, we're talking about taking the message of Jesus Christ to people who've not really heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Taking that message to them. Or secondly, when we talk about missions, we're also talking about discipling new people. There are many places in India where people, you know, some of the things that we take for granted, even some of the basic truths that we take for granted, for them it's something so special to hear about. So for us to go and disciple them, these new believers, new churches, new communities in the faith is what we also talk about when we, uh, when we talk about missions or partnering or with others who are doing these kinds of things, empowering, working alongside those who are involved in either, either reaching the lost or uh, discipling new believers, partnering with them, working with them. So all of this is what we call in that one word, missions. So how can we as a church, as a local church, an urban church, engage in missions. And I want to use the book of Acts and the New Testament here to draw out for us some of the patterns that we see. Seven ways in which you and I and we as a local church can engage in missions in reaching our nation. Parts of our nation that have never yet heard the gospel. And, I, and then after that I want to talk about some uh, specific things that have opportunities that are available for all of us to be involved in uh, that we will begin to act upon and implement the rest of this year. So number one, how can a local church, an urban church, be involved in missions? Number one, church planting. You know, we are engaged in church planting. We started that right from the very beginning. We began with that vision to plant, to reproduce ourselves. Our goal was not and is not just to gather people in one place and have a nice time. Our goal is to spread all across the nation and then into the nations. And so we started that from the very beginning, planting churches around our nation. When you look at the church in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem was born the day of Pentecost. A supernatural move of God birthed the church in Jerusalem. For eight years they were there. And then what happened? There were 12 apostles. 120 who got filled with the Holy Spirit. But in the first sermon, 3,000 new believers. A couple of days later, a lame man was healed. 5,000 more. So in a matter of weeks, you had a church of 8,000 people. 
That's huge. And what do we see happen in Jerusalem? We see believers being nurtured and growing up in the faith, maturing in the faith in this church. People like Philip, people like Stephen, Barnabas, others, many others whose names we don't even have mentioned in the New Testament, grow up in this church, are mature in this church. And approximately eight years later from the time the church is formed, the book of Acts chapter 8, there's severe persecution. And believers are scattered out of Jerusalem. Philip, who was a leader, a deacon in the church in Jerusalem, meaning he was just serving, um, maybe like Suhas, doing sound, Gina, doing PowerPoint, just serving in the church. Because of persecution, they are scattered out of Jerusalem. Philip goes down to Samaria and he preaches Jesus to them. People receive the gospel. A church is formed in Jerusalem, in, in Samaria. Others are scattered and other go into other parts, other cities. If you will go with me to Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 21. It says, now those who are scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So what happened? There were these unnamed believers who left Jerusalem. They traveled to different cities. They arrived in Antioch. They preached Jesus. People believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a church was established in Antioch. Now what happens? What do we see happen in the church in Antioch? In a matter of two and a half years, this new church in Antioch, people grow up in the faith. Acts chapter 13, from Antioch. Paul and Barnabas are sent out. And they go around other cities planting churches. So church planting is one way that you and I, as an urban church, that we can be involved in missions. It's, it's, it's part of God's New Testament strategy to plant churches. Churches to reproduce themselves. Now, there are some, you know, struggles that many of us deal with when we talk about church planting. I want to address some of them here. First of all, we need to understand that all believers can plant churches. Amen? Now, we've got this wrong idea that I need to have a reverend before my name. Or I've got to graduate from seminary or something like that to be able to plant a church. Or I need to be an apostle to plant a church. Or I need to be a prophet to plant a church. No. What do we see in the book of Acts? Philip. He was doing PowerPoint at the church in Jerusalem. He had to run for his life. And or maybe he was sitting at, like Amos is sitting, the head usher at the door, you know. So when these guys came to persecute, Amos had to run. <laughs> the head usher. And he was not an apostle, a prophet, or some reverend, just a person serving in the church. There were unnamed believers who landed up in Antioch and they planted the church. What you and I must understand is that God can use ordinary believers to raise up local churches. God can use you. Amen? The second thing is this, yeah, and this is like a big issue for many of us. It's about the call of God, the call to missions. Ask somebody, you know, why aren't you getting involved in missions? I haven't received the call yet. Maybe you're on Airtel, that's why. <laughs> I just joking. 
And we're waiting for a call. And what is this call to missions? Now we need to demystify it. It is true that there are times where the Holy Spirit will speak very clearly. Like the way he spoke to the church in Antioch. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas. This is Acts 13, 4. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I've called them to. The Spirit of God speaks very clearly, very, uh, you know, maybe in a dream, a prophetic word. Uh, in some way, the Holy Spirit speaks a very clear words. Great. But most often, God guides us, moves us into missions, not necessarily by some, you know, audible voice that you hear, but just through the circumstances, the opportunities, the people, the pastor preaching to you, or an inner stirring of the Spirit. He moves us into that. Why did Philip go to Samaria? Not because the Holy Spirit said go. He ran to save his life. But what did he end up doing? He planted a church. Why did these believers, unnamed believers, land up in Antioch? Not because the Holy Spirit said go to Antioch. They landed there. They're running for their lives. But what did they do? They planted a church. So demystify this call to missions. God is speaking through just the stirrings, the opportunities, the things that God is doing around you. Go with the flow. Recognize what God is doing. Don't sit down and say, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak. God's speaking. You're not understanding. You're not listening. Amen? So God is uh, speaking to us, even through the people, through the circumstances, the opportunities He's setting before us and saying, Move! So basically, we need to take our feet off the brake pedal, take off the handbrake, please step on the accelerator, start moving because you can always steer a moving vehicle. But a stationary vehicle can hear many voices and will go nowhere. Amen? Start moving. Opportunities come. Take it up. As you step out, God will begin to steer you and lead you into what He wants you to do for missions. And the third thing is this, you know, Sometimes we think church is just a place to attend and, you know, maybe they take care of my birthday, my wedding, and my burial. And, you know, church is for those purposes. And really, the church is a missions base. It's to equip you. You come in to be equipped so that you can go out and be a blessing. Amen? So that's what the church is about. It's about you being equipped so that you can go out and be a blessing to people. Second way that we can... Uh, as a local church, be involved in missions is to strengthen new believers and other local churches. What we receive, we impart to new believers, to other local churches, communities of believers around our nation. And we see this pattern in the book of Acts. When Philip goes down to Samaria and plants a church there, gets a group of believers there, new believers, what happens? Acts chapter 8 says, in verses uh, 14 and 15, it says, Peter and John, they go from Jerusalem to Samaria. They minister. They strengthen these new believers. Minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come back. Later on we see that Barnabas is sent to Antioch. When a church is planted in Antioch, Barnabas goes to strengthen the believers there. And then he comes back. Or Barnabas actually stays there and continues on from there. We see in Acts 11, 27, that prophets rise up in Jerusalem. They go down to Antioch. A team of prophets go down to Antioch and strengthen that church and they come back to Jerusalem. The same thing happens out of the Antioch church. When Paul and Barnabas go out from the Antioch church and plant more churches, they revisit all these new church plants and strengthen them. This is in Acts 14, 21 to 23. They go around strengthening 
those churches. So here's the second way you and I can engage in missions. Go strengthen new church plants, other churches around the nation. Disciple believers. Share with them all the good stuff you get here Sunday after Sunday. You go out and pour it out into their lives. Bless them. Number three, how can we as a local church engage in missions? Minister to specific physical needs of other local churches and communities of believers. Missions doesn't always have to be only about spiritual things. It also involves physical things, natural things, things that need to be addressed in in, in everyday life. You see that happen when Judea, the church in Jerusalem and and the parts of Judea were going through food shortage, they were famine. The Antioch church, that's in Acts 11, the church in Corinth, the church in Macedonia, they get supplies together and they send it out to the church, to, to the believers in Judea to help them out. So missions, practical things, bringing relief, helping with the physical needs of people is part of what we can do in missions. You read about this in Acts 11, 29 and 30 and also 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and also in chapter 9 about ministering those physical needs and natural needs of people, believers. Number four, the fourth way that we as a local church can engage in missions is through tent making. Now many of you sitting here today, you are well established professionally. You've got good jobs, working for some multinational company, successful, and, uh, and, uh, and you've, you know, you've heard us over time and time again talk about marketplace ministry, and you identify and recognize that God has a place for you in the marketplace, that he wants you to serve there, minister there, and, and you embraced your call to the marketplace, and you are doing something, right, where God has placed you in the business world, or in arts, and entertainment, or media, or government, or uh, education, or wherever God's placed you, you're doing something there. And now you're hearing about missions, and you're saying, we need to go. We need to do something. And, and some, for some of us, we find this a contradiction. Because, hey, I'm supposed to be engaged in the marketplace. I'm serving God in the marketplace right here in this city. And now you're telling me, I need to go somewhere, do something among unreached people, among people who've never heard the gospel, or among new believers. How do I reconcile the two? It's very simple. You can use your profession. And God can and will use your profession, even in missions. The greatest example that we see is that of the Apostle Paul. In several places that he went, for example, in Corinth, if you turn with me to Acts 18, maybe just read a couple of scriptures here. Acts chapter 18, when Paul goes into Corinth, he finds another couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who are tent makers. And Paul has been trained as a tent maker. Acts 18, verse 1 onwards. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was the same trade, he stayed with them, and they worked. For by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. We skip down to verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla were working at Infosys BPO. They were call center agents. And they decided to move to Ajmer, Rajasthan. Because some other company was setting up a call center there. So they moved. And they continued working in the call center. But they established a local church. 
And Paul spent a year and six months. And then he moved on from Ajmer to Bilaspur. Took a transfer, working in the call center. But Aquila and Priscilla remained in Ajmer, building up the local church. Simple. Amen? So you're in the marketplace, but you're engaged in missions. And Paul did the same thing when he went to Ephesus and when he went to Thessalonica. When he, when he went to Ephesus, he worked with his own hands. So that when he later on, after establishing the church in Ephesus and he called the elders in Acts 20, verses 30 to 35, Paul tells the Ephesian leaders, he says, You know that with my own hands I labored when I was among you. I coveted no man's silver, no man's gold, but these hands took care of my needs. When he writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 to 12, he says the same thing. He says, Thessalonians, you know how, uh, how blamelessly me and my team, we behaved among you when we came to you. We came to you with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we should not be a burden to any of you. We labor day and night. This is hard work. But that's what they did. They established a church in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Thessalonica, as tent makers, they worked and they built up church, raised up churches. Amen? So I want to encourage you. You may be a professional, maybe engage in the marketplace, whatever vocation you are. But consider getting involved in missions. God can use you. You know, in my own life, and I, and I share these things just to encourage you not to, you know, not to boast or brag. You know, as a student right here in the city of Bangalore, while going through my schooling, I felt like a missionary. Because... In my school, my own school, Bishop Cottons, I raised, you know, we had a prayer group there. I was involved in ministering to students there. Then I launched out into another school, Bolland Boys School, during lunch break. I launched out to another school, Cathedral High School. So during lunch break, I was a missionary. During class time, I was a student. Lunch break, I became a missionary. I take my New Testament, I'll run from Cottons to Baldwin's four days a week. I'd preach over there. Once a week, I'd run from Cottons to Cathedral's preach over the lunch break, and run back. It's a missionary. And then when I went to Manipal to do my engineering, same thing, God, I need to serve you here. I came here to study. I have to do my engineering, but I also want to serve you. And held some meetings and so on, and then later on started a fellowship there, a group of students, and, and you know, introduced things like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, and so on. At that time in Manipal, all this was unknown. Nobody knew what tongues, what is tongues, you know. Prayer, but brought all that in. And, 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 and it was wonderful to see God touch the lives of my fellow students. So I was a student, but raised up a church as a student. Then when I went to the United States studying there, uh, after two years of studying, I said, okay, I must begin on my first missionary journey. I really felt like this was my first missionary journey. I was 24 years old. I left the United States. I went to Albania, Eastern Europe. At that time, Albania had just opened up. For 50 years, it was closed. It was like North Korea, totally closed country, closed to the entire outside world. And uh, the Emperor Hoja had just abolished all form and expression of religion, closed down every mosque, closed down every uh, church building, just closed everything down. It was a totally communist country, isolated from the rest of the world. And the, that country, there, there, there was an uprising. The emperor was overthrown. Uh, Albania had just opened up. So I felt like a true apostle, you know. I landed up in, you know, Albania, like probably the only Indian, only dark-skinned guy walking through. And, and you can imagine the immigration. They had no immigration, nothing. You land, you get off, you go through this big crowd of people, you're in the country. That's it. No visa, nothing. 
It's a good time to travel to Albania. <laughs> You guys are so slow. You know what I'm saying? So I walked in. Uh, arrived in the capital, Tirana. Got into this little van. I thought the wheels were going to fly off. I mean, you think India's bad. That was scary. You know? <laughs> and we went all up the hill. Oh, man, this is a crazy journey. Landed in Elbasan, the third largest town in Albania. Spent Christmas there. Preaching in those villages, people, they didn't, I didn't hear the term Christmas. They don't know what Christmas means. Didn't know what Christmas meant. Through the interpreter preaching, God did wonderful things. From Albania, came to India and went into God's own country, you know. And they held crusades and conferences over there. Went to Malaysia, preached in Kuala Lumpur, all that. Went back and I felt like, man, now I'm a true missionary. But I was 24 years old. Stepped out. And you guys can do the same thing. I was a student. I did it. And then later on, as I took up a job, started working, I would use my vacation. Use the vacation time. As a professor, you get vacation, get three weeks, four weeks. Use that for missions. It was just wonderful. We traveled to Ecuador twice, South America, just had conferences, uh, pastors' conferences, crusades there. I went to Fiji. He taught in the Bible college there. Andrew Taylor will be preaching next Sunday. That was his Bible college. I uh, went to Indonesia, taught in the Bible college there. Of course, traveled many times to India doing crusades in Agra, Bilaspur, other places. But used vacation time to do it. You can do it. Amen? You can. You can be attentive. You keep your profession, but purposefully you plan. Use your holiday time to go out and do things for the kingdom of God. Number five, how can, I, how can an urban church be involved in missions? Of course, praying. Matthew 9, Jesus said, Matthew 9, 37, 38, Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest that will send laborers into the harvest fields. Send laborers into the harvest fields. So you pray, say, God, raise up laborers to go across into these parts of northern India. In two weeks, we'll give you more information how we can begin to pray, how we can, as a church can pray purposefully for our nation. Pray for those engaged in missions. You know, Paul asked for prayer many times in Colossians 4, 3. Uh, he says, brethren, pray for us. Pray that a door will be open for us and we'll have, we'll have boldness to proclaim the gospel the way we should proclaim. Um, I pray that God will preserve us from unreasonable and wicked men. So pray for those involved in missions. Number six, partner with those who are involved in missions. How can we engage or work with others, other organizations that are involved in missions? It's very interesting when you look at Paul and his ministry. After he had established the church in Corinth, he writes to them in 2 Corinthians 10, 13 through 16. He says, you know, God has given to each man a certain sphere of influence, a certain sphere of ministry. But he tells the Corinthians, he says, Corinthians, but I'm writing to you because I hope that through you, my sphere of ministry will be enlarged so that I can take the gospel to other people as well. Meaning what he's telling the Corinthians is, he says, the Corinthian church, God gave me a certain sphere of influence which included you, but now I want you to partner with me to go to other places. So we partner, work alongside with those who are reaching. The same thing, the, Philippian ch the church in Philippi partnered with the Apostle Paul, supported him financially in his missions ministry. Other, there are several other ways that you can partner with those involved in missions. And one simple way, and I know some of you are already doing it, is to house traveling ministers. 
Now Paul writes to Philemon in Philemon chapter 1. There's only one chapter, verse 7 and verse 22. He says, Philemon, the, the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And later on in verse 22, he says, Philemon, please keep that guest room for me. I'm coming. So what, what, what did Philemon do? He had a guest room where these traveling ministers would come and, and be refreshed and renewed and continue in their journey. And he commends this lady in, in 3 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 8, who had the habit of entertaining and housing traveling ministers. And, and John commends her, says, you are a partner with them in their ministry because of what you're doing. So there's several ways that we can partner with missions, uh, or ministers and people of God who are involved in missions. And number seven, it's very simple. We must use, as an urban church, we must use all available means to minister the gospel. Amen? Just imagine Paul. You know, he traveled, he planted churches, but he also sat down and wrote. I don't know if Paul ever thought that the letters he wrote... Almost 2,000 years later, people will be studying his letters. That it will become part of what we call the Bible, the Word of God. But he wrote, because that was one vehicle that could be used for the kingdom of God. Amen? I'm sure if Paul was living in our time, he'd be on television, on radio, on printed page, internet. He'd just use all means to get the Word out to people. Amen? And we as an urban church must do that. Now, I thank God for our publications, and we've been doing it for years now, and almost everywhere I go, I find people, pastors who come and say, you know, we've been reading these books. They've been a great blessing, and we've been preaching it and teaching it. I'm so glad that, you know, our publications could go in places where we never imagined we could go. Go into those villages and go into those places in their language, in Hindi, in Oriya, in Telugu, uh, in Nepali, publications are going out. And people are reading it, using it. Pastors are using it to teach the congregations and preach those things. It's a great way. I and mean, we must begin to use every possible means to get the Word of God out to people. Now, next few minutes before I close, I want to share with us opportunities that are before us to be involved in missions. So just wake your neighbor up. I mean, if they've slept through the first part of them, it's okay. Tell them, you, don't need, you shouldn't miss this. So make sure... They're awake now, right? How can we engage in missions? And I want to present these to you. I want you to take notes because now we are going to get into action. I want you to be involved in what we're doing. Number one, our Bible college. Now, we're bringing in more students in this new batch coming in in July. More students from the north will be coming in. Pastors have been calling us saying, I'm sending, I want to send five students. I want to send seven students, whatever. They are pastors around North India, I want to send their students to work, study here with us. It's a two-year Bible college, so we'll, we'll have more students. Now, there are several ways that you can help in our college. We cover about 36 courses, I think, 34, 36 courses in, these two, in the two-year period. But we also want to give to the students other practical things like learning English. These students come from parts of India where English is totally a foreign language. And computer skills, some basic skills. Life skills. You want to be able to give to them. So you can help in that area. The other thing that God's opening up for us is short-term Bible college. You know, there are many ministers, preachers, already involved in ministry, who've never been to Bible college. They just got up and started preaching. They've never been, they never had any formal training. Now, they're already in ministry. They can't leave their family. They can't leave the church. Come to Bangalore for two years. They can't do that. 
So what's opened up for us is for us to take a short-term Bible college for two and a half months. We will cover 18, the most important 18 courses, but it'll be intense, six hours a day, five days a week. And we will take our short-term Bible college there. These people are already in ministry, will come and attend during the week. Weekends, they go back, they do the ministry. During the week, they're attending the college. They're being equipped to enhance and enrich the ministry. The first one is going to happen in Champa, in the state of Chhattisgarh, uh, October 1st to November 15th. We also have opportunity to start a short-term Bible college in the state of Rajasthan, in Ajmer. And we're working out the details in there. So we'll also do a short-term, two-and-a-half-month Bible college there. Bring in people from the state of Rajasthan, equip them, let them go back. So you can be involved in that, to go teach there uh, and serve there and help in that, in, in that capacity. Number two, church planting. You could go and minister at our existing outreach churches. We have outreach churches in several uh, different places in India. You could go and minister there. Or you can go and plant a new church. You say, you know, I like to go. I've been in APC. I've been here for a while. I've received the word of God. I want to go out. I want to plant a church. We'll back you up. We'll send you out. You can go plant a church. Number three, city transformation teams is what we call tent making teams. Like, just like what we talked about Paul and so on. Now, you get together with two or three other couples here in Bangalore, and you begin to strategize. You begin to pray and say, you know, look, all of us are software professionals. We're working for, you know, XYZ company. We're targeting that city up there in the north. There isn't, there is no strong English-speaking congregation there or a congregation that's really ministering the word of God and the spirit. Let's go there as a team. So you find your Paul, Aquila, Priscilla team. Amen. And then you plan on moving there with your job. Get a transfer or just find another job in a company, the same kind. Move there. Spend a year, spend two years. Or maybe just settle down there. Whatever. Establish a church. We call, we call in these city transformation teams and we'll talk more about it two Sundays from now. Number four, our conferences. You know, um, we, we, we're conducting these Kingdom Builders Conference uh, in different places. And soon we want to take out to the, our nation other things. The things that we're doing in our weekend school of prophetic ministry. Uh, in um, uh, and the other weekend schools that we teach. We want to take these conferences out. Uh, go into other parts of our nation. And impart it to pastors. Impart it to leaders in other places. Now things that we take for granted. Pastors come and say, you know, we've never heard this kind of teaching before. We, only if somebody told us what it really meant to be a kingdom builder. Even right in Mumbai. Pastors come and say, you know, we've never heard these kinds of things. Right now, I'm going and doing this, but I, I, I like to see people from the congregation go out as teams and do these conferences all across our nation. So you equip yourself, you prepare yourself, you attend the weekend school of ministry, and, and you equip yourself, you study the word, you begin to practice it, and then you'll be ready to go out and hold these conferences and equip other pastors and ministers. Number five, we are partnering with Vision India. Vision India is an organization based in Nagpur. They have a great vision for northern India, 14 states in northern India. Their goal is to equip young men from the level one districts all across north India. By level one districts, we mean districts where the percentage of Christian influence is 2% or less. So they bring young people from these districts, spend time with them, equip them through conferences, through teaching and impartation. And so we are partnering with Vision India. And... Uh, Regularly, they have these conferences in these 14 states. They need people to go and teach, uh, go and minister there. I'm working with Pastor Vijay in Nagpur, trying to see if we could send more people to go and teach there. 
also coming up in October, and I encourage you to attend the Vision India Conference in October in, in, in New Delhi. We are bringing in 10,000 young people from these 14 northern India states from level one districts, meaning all these people in cities, you're not allowed to attend this conference. Only young people from level one districts, 10,000 young people, bringing them to Delhi for five days. Equip them. It's an intense time of equipping. And then send them back. I want you to come to that conference. Serve there. We need volunteers there to serve these young people. So they can go back into those districts across North India and make a difference. And last one is our partnership with the Emmanuel Hospital Association. We are partnering with two hospitals, um, uh, two Emmanuel Hospital Association hospitals. One in Champa in the state of Chhattisgarh. The other one in Chhatarpur in the state of Madhya Pradesh. We've finally got together some details and I want to run this by you. These are the kinds of things we're going to start doing. Our weekend discipleship seminars for the hospital staff. Now, these are remote hospitals. They were established maybe about 100 years ago by missionaries who came. They're in remote locations. They do not have access to the kinds of things you and I have for the spiritual growth. So we want to go and equip these, these, these staff that are working there through discipleship seminars. Uh, so Champa Hospital said, you know, you can come every once, a week, uh, once or twice every month on the weekend and, and have special seminars. Chhatrapur Hospital said, you know, you come once in two months, conduct these seminars for us on various kinds of topics and integrity, holiness, the spirit of God, uh, uh, whatever. Things that will equip these, these hospital staff spiritually. Conducting children's camp and children's church in Champa and Chhatrapur. Both of them said, please come in October. Give us one week in October. Hold it. Uh, uh, children's church for us. So we, those of you who like to work with children, you go there, spend uh, one week in October, minister to the children in these two places and come back. Youth camp, August 15 to 17, both in Champa and Chhatrapur. So we probably have to have two teams of young people. One team will go to Champa, one team will go to Chhatrapur. We'll do a youth camp, three, four day youth camp. Amen? See, we have fun here. But we need to go and bless them. And I want our youth to do it. Young people, August 15th to 17th, we need you to go. Our short-term residential Bible college in Champa campus, that's October 1st to 15th, we talked about it. You know, the hospital is so generous to us. They're letting us use their campus, use their facilities to run our Bible college. It's amazing. And those old British buildings built in those days, I mean, it's like going to, you know, like a retirement place. It's great. You go there, but we you know, we, we're going to run a Bible college on the campus, October 1st, October 15th. Um, they are willing to have volunteers to come and just spend time visiting patients, praying with them. Champa, they said, best time to come is between July to March. Chhatrapur from mid-May till September, you go there and uh, just spend time praying. If you can't do anything else, just spend time praying, ministering to the patients there. Uh, professional training, very important. Now, many of you are professionals. You're experts in, in your area. Um, whether training in patient care, hospital administration, HR planning, inventory management, customer care. You know, when I visit these hospitals, they're still very rudimentary in the way they function because they're in remote locations and they can do with a lot of help to improve just the processes, just the systems, just what they're doing so that they can provide better care and, and also be ready for the future. And these places are going to change. These towns today, Tomorrow would become urban centers. And if they don't ready themselves, they'll become obsolete. They'll be outdated. Already other hospitals are emerging in that place that you know, have better facilities, better structure. But 
you know, we need to go and help these hospitals get ready for the future. And so they need this kind of input. Many of you are professionals. Champa said, you know, please come anytime. We just need to coordinate the dates with them so that we can um, uh, provide this kind of input for them. Uh, Chaturpur has given us specific dates, October 14 to 31st. And we need to get qualified people. People are experts in these areas. Go as a team, impart, look at the hospital, assess the situation, tell them how they can have process improvement, uh, equip the people uh, so that what happens at the hospital can be of good, uh, good quality, good standard. Uh, teaching English and basic computer skills. This is only for Chaturpur. Chaturpur has a nursing college there. They bring in, uh, I think, the, 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 about, there are about 250 to 300 nursing students there. A three-year program. And uh, these students uh, would like to receive English uh, teaching English, basic computer skills. Most of you are experts. You're now working on your iPads and tablet PCs. These guys have not even gotten their hands on a PC. Right? So we, you could go, spend some time between September 15th to 30th or December 15th to January 15th, go and teach these students English, computers, and so on. And of course, doctors and nurses... Anytime you want to volunteer, you could go to these hospitals, spend some time there, serve there, and come back. Just let us know. And lastly, you know, uh, visiting these campuses, many of the buildings are quite old. They have been able to put together some new buildings, but many of these buildings are quite old, and they need help. Uh, this, um, uh, in the interior design, facelift the hospital buildings. Also, these staff, they have no form of recreation. So both the hospitals asked us, can you set up a recreation room for our staff and our children? Where we can have a television, give them Christian videos, some things that they can play, a recreation, a play area for the kids. So we can do this for them because they are serving people that you and I may never be able to serve. Right? So we could go and do that. And uh, so the, both, both these things, they said, you know, as soon as possible, come and help do it. And for Champa, that hospital is located on 16 acres of land, huge land. Uh, it's just, just nice to be there, lots of trees and all kinds of things. And the, the administrator there, Mr. John Willis, uh, says, you know, can you tell us what we can do? First of all, landscaping, make this whole place look better. And second, what can we do on this land to prepare ourselves for the future? So those of you who are, you know, good in that, qualified architects, civil engineers, interior designers, so you could go. Volunteer a week of your time or whatever. Go as a team. Many of you are involved. So go as a team. Go there. See the place. Assess what is there, what needs to be done. And then let's send the people over or get some local people to come and get it done. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. This morning, I want you to pray and say, God, I'm so blessed to be in a church where I hear the word of God and experience so much of the truth and the working of God's spirit. But what about the northern part of our nation? Still in the 1040 window. Many parts of the nation. There are no strong churches. Not much happening in imparting, discipling people. How about going there? How about doing something in our nation? I want you to respond. I want you to say, God, I want to do something. I've heard a lot. So many ways that I can be involved. I'm willing to do something. And God will orchestrate. God will set things up in your life. Opportunities will come. But you have to respond. You have to say yes. Lord. 
Don't sit down there and wait for some angel to appear, some thunder and lightning from heaven. Now, the still small voice inside you says, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? Act on it. Start moving. Start doing something. God will guide you. Holy Spirit, as we stand in your presence, Lord. Lord, I invite you to stir, inspire every heart. Remove all fear. Remove all hesitation, Lord. Remove everything that causes us to hold back into the pushing forward. Bring release in every heart, Lord. A willingness to step out, a willingness to go, a willingness to make their life count for the kingdom of God. Yes, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Inspire. Light the fire. Challenge every heart and every life in this place, oh God. Many of you will feel inspired. The Lord will speak to you and say, you need to go. And standing here this morning or this afternoon, you would say, yes, God, I'm willing to go. But I want you to consolidate this decision because the moment you leave this place, you go back to work tomorrow, all of that will start clouding what the voice of the Spirit of God, what the voice of the Spirit is saying today. So you need to consolidate that decision. You need to say, yes, Lord, I'm going. This is an irrevocable decision, a commitment I'm making to you that I will go, I will serve, I will make my life count. Nothing on this world will take me back from this decision. I want you to make such a kind of decision right now. So when Monday morning comes and all the responsibilities of life and work come upon you, this decision will not change. You will be committed to saying, God, I'm going to go. I will do something for the kingdom of God. As you stand right here, the presence of God, I want you to make that kind of a decision. I want my life to count for the kingdom of God. I will go. Yes, Lord. I have received. Yes. I'm going to go. I've been equipped. I'm going to go. Yes. Going to make a difference. Father, we just bless each one here, God. Who's made a decision to go. We pray your grace, your blessing. That they will do something. Yes, Lord. Across our nation. Make a difference. For your kingdom, God. We just thank you. Continue to speak every to speak to every heart, every life. And may the entire church 
every young person, every child, every older person, go. May every person go. May every person go. And make a difference for your kingdom. We thank you, Father. And we bless you. We honor you, God. Amen. Amen. Before we close, we want to just take a moment. If there's anyone here, maybe this is your first time in church. And you've, maybe all of this didn't make sense to you. I just want you to know, there's one thing that changes lives. The decision to believe in Jesus Christ. Is anyone here, you've never prayed a prayer to receive Christ in your life, to receive Jesus in your life? I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just say this with me, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I ask this in Jesus' name. Father, I just pronounce your blessing on your people, God. And say, arise and shine. Oh, yes. For your light has come. Yes, Lord. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you. And his glory shall be seen upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.